You remember the famous theme park commercial, right? Somebody famous just does something incredible, like Oral Hershiser pitching the final pitch for the World Series win with the Dodgers, right? What are you going to do now? You've just won the World Series. Well, I'm going to Disneyland, right? You've just been filled with the Holy Spirit. What are you going to do now? Let's talk about it next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Will there be changes in your life when that takes place? Will folks know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Does your life take on new purpose, new meaning, new direction? Well, there are answers to these questions, and we'll explore them here today as we continue our series on the Holy Spirit. Today's program is called The Results of Spirit Filling. It's today's edition of Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Our teacher and pastor now with today's broadcast, Pastor Phil Howard. John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. And if you would translate another of the same kind of help as I've been giving you, I'm going away but I'll send this other helper who will do for you what you need to have done while I'm absent from you, that he may be with you forever. Now that's, that's comforting to the disciples because Christ says, I've only been with you in ministry three and a half years and I'm leaving, but this one won't leave you. Then he goes on, that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And so we've been taking an excursion on what is it the Holy Spirit does in believers that is of help, what help. And by way of review, we said, well, uh, he's the one that regenerates you or pulls off the new birth, as it were. He has to work in the heart and the life. So he's involved in your new birth. Titus 3, 4, and 5. Two, he immersed you into the body of Christ the moment you believed. So that you became united with a new head in the sight of God. You're now seen in Christ, no longer in Adam. You're in Christ, not in Adam. Our natural birth, we were seen in Adam as a descendant. Now we are seen in this resurrected Christ. Then uh, indwelling, he said, I will dwell in you forever. So in his indwelling ministry, uh, he's interceding for us when it comes to prayer. And uh, uh, he's there, sin or no sin. The spirit is there, grieves. We've got a real living person living in us at all times. So he, our body's called his temple, his sacred dwelling place. Uh, now, <clears throat> we've been looking at the last few weeks. He has come to fill his people, to fill them with himself. Now, where do we get this? Ephesians 5.18 says, Stop getting drunk with wine that creates a debauched or dissipated life. <clears throat> 
but rather be continually getting yourselves under the control of the Spirit. It's a command. It's continuous. It's not, I was filled. We're not talking about the was. We're talking about now. Are you filled with the Spirit now? Now, filled, what is that? When you hear that word filled, uh, you think of spatial things. How, how, how can I say, uh, uh, my wife fills my heart? Well, spatially, I hope she's not in it. Wouldn't survive. Okay? So she's not spatially in my heart. She's there relationally. Uh, she has a control over my heart because of my great affection for her. Okay? Well, let's contrast wine. You get enough wine in you, it will influence character, control what you do. And so that idea comes over to spirit filling. I want to fill you in such a way that I control and I influence your behavior. Now, there's another way it's used. It was used of supplying what was lacking. Uh, it was used that way in Philippians. Your offering supplied my lack. And I think as we look at uh, spirit filling in Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit sees so many warps and bents and crookedness in each one of us. We've got to have the Holy Spirit in us to ever produce Christ in our character. And so... Here he's talking to his disciples in the upper room. They're all going to bail out within 12 hours. Now he's telling them, you guys hang out. Luke 24, stay in Jerusalem. Don't do any evangelism till I fill you. Wait till you get power from on high. Then I'm going to fill you to carry out the great commission. I'm going to work in you. What we see in Galatians is not great spectacular ministry happening. God's first got to change the character of a believer. And so we say, do believers, do all believers walk in the Spirit? Now, let me give you an example. Uh, a wonderful uh, church that had all the gifts, 1 Corinthians 3. Look at it. They had all the gifts, didn't they? They boasted they did. Look at it. 1 Corinthians 3. And I, brethren, so their brethren, could not speak to you as, I'd say, spirit-filled men. You weren't under the control of the spirit, to spiritual. Well, how would you talk to a bunch of believers? I got to talk to you like you're a bunch of babies. To men of flesh, as the infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. And what's milk? Food that someone else has digested. I gave you, I did the work. I put out milk to you, led you to the Lord. But you weren't able to receive it. And eat, right now you're not able to receive meat, substance that you digest. For you are still, what's your Bible say? Fleshly. Wait, are these believers? He calls them brethren. Believers can't act fleshly. You're either in the spirit or you're in the flesh. 
Are they in the flesh? No. But they still got the flesh in them. They're not located in the flesh. They're really in the spirit. Two categories, Romans 8. But the flesh is still in them. Well, give me some proof. Give me some proof. Glad you asked. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere natural men? For when one says, I'm a Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not acting like mere natural men? Like men that don't even know God. This is the explanation for many a church split right there. That uh, the church can fall in the hands of the carnal and those that want to act fleshly and they can destroy anything. Destroy a marriage, destroy a home, destroy a church. We're dangerous if we walk after the flesh. Very dangerous. So we know there is that danger. Now let's go to Galatians. Galatians 5. And here were a people that were constantly being told, you need to go back under the law to live the Christian life. You need to get yourself circumcised. You need to obey the kosher diet laws. Always law, law, law. And Paul says something radical. The law has no place in your sanctification. What God needs is faith that works through love. Chapter 5, verse 6. And you need to walk in reliance on the Holy Spirit. God has already shown us through Israel that people living under law and rules always fail. They just can't measure up. Nothing wrong with the rule. Nothing wrong with the law. It just keeps showing us we can't do it. So God didn't save you to be defeated all the time. He didn't save you to beat you up. He says, I've offered something in the death of Christ and his finished work and the gift of the Spirit to accomplish in you what the law could never do. And what is going to be described as the defeat of fleshly attitudes and the display of the fruit of the Spirit. Look at verse 16. I say, walk by the Spirit. That means live your life in reliance on the Spirit, and you will absolutely not carry out the strong desires of the flesh. And flesh is the sin principle within. Flesh, because that principle wants a body to manifest itself. But if you walk by means of the Spirit, you, and in Greek it's a double negative, you will ume, you will absolutely not fulfill the strong desires of the flesh. You're walking in the Spirit or giving it to the flesh. But the Spirit is greater than the flesh. The law is not greater than the flesh. He said that in Romans 8. But the Spirit is. I, I love the fact that George Rutenbart told me when he was at Dr. Walver's bedside when he was dying at about 93, uh, the last thing Dr. Walver said to him, his life's verse, he said, George, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he died. His life's verse changed. I cannot tell you how many defeated Christians went to Dallas to sit under Lewis Chafer because he taught the Christian life in such a way they quit being defeated. Quit being defeated. So he says, 
walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then he tells you the flesh wars against the Spirit, Spirit against the flesh. Then he described the flesh, and we looked at those 15 things last week. Now, let's do a quick, brief overview of the fruit of the Spirit. What does it act like? When you're spirit-controlled, the first thing that will shout it will be in your attitude and in your heart will be the love of God will be working in you. Uh, you not only know you're loved by God, but fruit. Now notice he said you'll bear the fruit. It's one fruit, nine slices. You don't just bear one and the others, you know, I love you, but at the same time I'm jealous of you. No, no, no. It can't. One fruit, the primary fruit being, that's why Jonathan Edwards wrote a great book on the charity and its fruits. 1 Corinthians 13, if I do what, whatever I do and I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And he keeps describing this kind of love. This is where I would define it for you. Uh, the desire and delight in the well-being of the object of your love, desire and delight, to the point of self-sacrifice. Maybe the idea would be sacrificial love, certainly separated from lust. Lust, I just want it for whatever I want it for. I want it. I want it. I'll get it. Love isn't that way. Love says, I value you in such a way that I would sacrifice myself for your benefit. Then you really love like God loves. God so loved that he gave. That's the idea that comes. And what's your badge of identity? Basically, I think, well, Lord, how does anyone know that I'm really a Christian? By this shall all unsaved people know that you belong to me. You will love one another. That's something interesting. I, I, I hear stuff like this every once in a while. Well, the unsaved are much easier to love than believers. I find they're easier to get along with. Maybe so. It's like saying the neighbor's kids are easier to get along with than my brother or sister. We have to live together, share the same bathroom, share the sink, and we're fussing all the time. It's not the same. A church that's growing and healthy, the, those who attend it can't be quiet about it because they love the people. They love one another. But see, once you quit loving the people, you can become critical of everything that doesn't measure up. Your kids don't have to measure up, do they, to have your love? Maybe, maybe they do in your house. God has called us. He said, I want to display my son through your body. And my son loved. He kept working with these failing men. He kept forgiving. He kept teaching. And God's love through us is that we would be willing to sacrifice on some level whatever we are, whatever we have, for the sake of the object love. So we ask you, do you love Jesus Christ? What would you sacrifice to show him you love him? Do you love your neighbor? See, just love, I can get this whole place to go totally quiet and we turn into Presbyterians. Because what they put on your epitaph, known for loving people 
and loving God. Would that be on your epitaph? Are known as a short temper, impatient, sassy. This, this has the love of God. And when you're walking by the Spirit, you can't lust for anybody. You can't steal anything. He says in Galatians and Romans, love is the fulfillment of everything the law ever demanded. If we just love one another, I don't need the Decalogue to tell me not to commit adultery, don't steal, don't murder. It wouldn't even enter my mind if I'm walking in love. And the Spirit makes him free to produce this attitude of mind constantly. Second, he causes me to have joy. Now, joy can be translated uh, happiness. But let me give you the difference between spirit-filled joy and the joy of the world. If you knew this Friday you were going to get a $10,000 bonus, you most likely could work up a little joy. But what it is, that's the kind of happiness based upon happenings. And divine joy is not based upon happenings. It's based solely on God. Solely on his provision, who you know him to be. Because there's something uh, uh, in our emotional life, uh, I don't know if we're stereophonic, quadraphonic, but uh, I, I read Paul in Romans 10. I have unceasing sorrow for Israel after the flesh. Well, wait, 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 Paul. You just told me in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Which is it? It's both. See, you can have an unspeakable joy while you're going through the sorrow of a painful child-parent rent. You could be losing everything. may have a foreclosure going on. You have all kinds of earthly sorrows going on while at the same time a strata in your being is all is well. I have joy in the Lord. I'm not free from bad circumstances, finances, health, relationships. This is not a joy based on circumstance. Paul and Silas are singing in jail at the midnight hour. What a time to have a hymn sing. Can you sing? Can you sing when everything's going down? Can you do up when a man doesn't know what to do and you've lost everything? Would you say, you know the most logical thing we ought to do in light of these ten children dying? Let's get on our knees and worship God. Would that be your response? I want to bow and say, God, you gave me my children, and you can take them. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, this is pre-Swindoll. This is pre-Abraham. This is pre-owning a Bible. This is pre-church. There's nobody back there to comfort Job. Where did he get enough theology in him that when tragedy hits, it's the time for me to worship that's what E.B. Hill said he did when he was at the hospital and they said his wife, babe, was, was going to make it. He said he went into that chapel right there and he simply prayed, Lord, you give and you take away. You gave me babe, as he called her. You took her away. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
This is a joy based upon this deep, settled relationship you have with Christ, not on circumstances. It's there when your heart is breaking. It's indescribable. That's what Philippians said. It will be a peace, as he goes on to peace, that passes all understanding. Third thing, he, he produces peace in us. And uh, peace is the idea of an unruffled mind, non-anxious. Uh, there's peace with God that comes when you know you're justified, that you're right with God based on the work of Christ. That's one thing. Then, isn't it amazing? You can have this amazing peace with God and come over here and you got an overdue bill of $75 that you don't have the money to cover and worry yourself to death. Because one's peace with God, the other is the peace of God. Subjectively. And peace is the idea of a sense of enough. Uh, all that I need is taken care of. Uh, I'm in the protective care of God. I heard it illustrated at one time. It's not freedom from the storm, but it's like the bird that it's built its nest in the cliff of the rock and that it's safe in the storm. Peaceful life is not a life free from storms. It's not a life, you know, that's never having heartbreak. Not at all. We're talking, Carol and I, with a couple last week whose son wrote them off uh, several years back and the pain in this couple. Uh, not being able to heal a relationship with a son in their 30s and not being able to bring about any reconciliation. The pain in them and yet at the same time to have the peace of God. For these to be, so not everything goes right. I think of uh, one of our sisters fighting for her life. And the Clark family just keeps going on. Because God can give peace in the midst of the storm. Uh, so that we run to him. We lean on the spirit. And we run and do what he says. Pray about it. I'm prompting you to pray. Sometimes God would never hear from any of us if we never worried. It's the only time we find out you haven't showed up lately. He lets worry grow in us. And it grows until you're immobilized. You've you got to run to him. Then he said long-suffering. I don't like this one at all. It means uh, to hold out a long time the mind in response to people and events. It's pro primarily people to hold out, you know, short temper, long temper. It's the holding out of the mind a long time, primarily with people. Steadfastness under provocation. I just not quick to respond to negative behavior, human failure. Just long suffering. And that will bring us to the end of our time today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Closing out today's program, we would invite you to contact us. If you'd like to review today's program, just mention the date when you get in touch with us, and we'll send a copy your way. And if you would like to partner with us, become a TFT sustainer, 
We'd love for you to contact us with that desire as well. That includes a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional, and so much more. As you link arms with us financially and prayerfully, we're able to bring these things to you and continue the ministry of Truth For Today here on KFAX with the hopeful prayer of going daily, Monday through Friday, here on this same station. Now, here's how to contact us, either for a copy of today's program or, again, if you would like to partner with us financially, we would love to hear from you. 855-833-9864 is our phone number, 855 855- 833-9864 is our phone number. And if you contact us today, I'll send you two of Pastor Phil's latest books, both for $20 or more. For a gift of 20 or more, we'll send you What in the World is Going to Happen and Jesus Christ, the Revealer of God. Again, for a gift of $20 or more, we'll send you both of these books written by Pastor Phil Howard. as our way of saying thank you for partnering with us. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us through our website. Drop us an email at valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. Snail mail, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. And as always, you're welcome to join us for worship. Service times here at the church are at 9 and 11. Directions and information can be found at valleybible.org or by calling us 855-833-9864. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Until next week at the same time, may the Lord richly bless you. 